Well, welcome. Today, we are back with Power Tools, the podcast that adds power to your work. That's why we call it Power Tools. And we identify partners that are working with state, local, federal agencies to really address chronic diseases across the board. But today, we have a very special guest. We've got Remedy, a company that you may not know of that really lives with under our noses here in Georgia and Atlanta. And they are part of the Atlanta Technology Development Center, which is a state-run tech accelerator, takes a lot to get accepted to one of these, and uh, it's because they have really cutting-edge technology. Uh, They're working in chronic disease in a number of different areas, but uh, it's a pleasure to introduce to you uh, their founder, Lucy Ide, both a physician and PhD, who founded the uh, company in 2012, as well as Tara Davis, Director of Community Health. And we're going to be talking about their intersection with both clinical care, but also community health and public health. So let me go ahead and and pause and let you go, uh, ladies, say hello. Hey, this is Lucy. Thanks for having us. Hi, this is Tara. Pleasure to be here. Wow, it really is a pleasure. Uh, You know, one of the values that NACDD brings, the National uh, Association of Chronic Disease Directors, to this podcast is really identifying partners that state members can reach out to and build relationships with. We try to vet all of our partners for quality and uh, being really on the bullseye of the work that we do. And this company absolutely uh, checks both of those boxes. I'd like to get started with just a, a word from Lucy about how you founded this company. You came out of clinical care. Tell me about the, the, the history. Sure. Yeah. So I, I spent the first part of my career working in technology, actually on mobile technology, then went into medicine, um, really with plans to be an academic clinician, but was really interested in all of the sort of inefficiencies and systems problems that exist in healthcare and how we had ended up with a system that isn't always aligned around what's best for the patient or for the providers of care. And I trained in OBGYN, which seems like a leap to get from there to working on chronic diseases. But, you know, really as a clinician, you're, I, I wasn't that aware of sort of the financial aspects around chronic disease. And I was really pretty horrified when I came to understand the amount of money we spend on diseases like diabetes, and, but yet we don't achieve you know, the outcomes that we should. So that really caught my attention um, in an era when we were just beginning ACA and there was a lot of pressure around improving outcomes and reducing costs. Chronic disease felt like the obvious place and diabetes as a sort of use case was really interesting because of sort of the self-management aspect and the data-heavy nature, right, that people are testing, measuring their blood glucose at home, often on a daily basis, and this conundrum of why don't we use that data to help inform decision-making around patient care. So that was really the problem I started with. That seemed simple and obvious <laughs> that we should be able to use that data to help drive both clinical decision-making as well as better self-management. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, diabetes is absolutely crippling our country, as you mentioned. And I want to I make sure that everyone understands that you developed a platform not just to collect the data, but to deliver the education. And and I forget how very uh, relatively few people uh, with diabetes ever receive diabetes uh, education to manage their condition. Perhaps you could speak to that and and then share a little bit about the platform that delivers the education to them. Sure. So nationally, only 7% of people with diabetes ever receive diabetes education. And if you look at medically underserved communities, it's even less. 
So 4% of people on Medicaid ever receive diabetes education who have a diagnosis of diabetes. Obviously, that's a problem for them. And, you know, it's also a struggle for delivery systems, whether it's public health department clinics or hospital systems, that they are often offering this kind of education and they have a problem that patients aren't showing up. So we really sort of took a deep dive into that and said, you know, there's evidence to support that diabetes education improves care. Patients are hungry for this education. Providers want to facilitate it. So why isn't it happening? And it sort of had all of the characteristics of a typical access problem, right, of people can't get to the education, you know, logistically. They don't have transportation. They can't get time off work. They don't have child care. They don't have money to pay for parking at the hospital system or the education office. So we, you know, just sort of simply said, well, what if we took the education to them, right? What if we made it accessible to them when and where they can access it? So I think I'll hand it over to Tara and let her talk about what that looks like. Hi, John. So, yeah, we created online digital so diabetes self-management education platform. And we like to call it basically a Netflix, Facebook for diabetes management for the patient because it's video-based and so it's comprised of short videos. And then there's this comment section there where patients can actually use that section to talk to each other, be support for each other, but also gain access to health professionals that can help them with any questions they may have specifically pertaining to their diabetes management. The course is, again, like I said, online, digital, so web-based. So patients can access it from their smartphone or they can access it from a desktop or a laptop, you name it. Pretty much anywhere they can access Netflix and Facebook, they can also access this education. And it's really, I think one of the perks of it that really makes it a power tool is that we actually customize the education for the health organization or for the health system that we're working with based on the needs of the health educators. So a lot of our feedback has came first from patients, but also from the health educators that are using the course and just discussing how they enjoy the fact that we tie in resources that are applicable to the patient base. So, for example, of course, in the course, we tell people, you know, you should try to eat healthier. But in addition to telling them you should try to eat healthier, we also tell them about local resources and local places where they can go to access those healthy foods at an affordable price. So it's just like an all-encompassing health education program that works for the patient as well as for the health educators. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I did not know about that tie into the local resources. It's so often the case that it's just just eat healthy and exercise and and good luck with that. Well, tell me now, let's go a little deeper while we're on this topic of diabetes. In the the Tri-City project that you're working with, like any city, Atlanta has, you know, a number of of underserved communities and there's there's three of them in in South Atlanta and you've partnered up with CVS, CVS, the pharmacy chain. Tell us a little bit about that project in particular. So uh, we launched the education program in the Tri-Cities community through community partners, folks like the Senior Center, Parks and Recreation, the school system. And Tara's built an amazing program with the school system using high school students really as our boots on the ground to recruit people in their community who can benefit from education and also be sort of tech support, right? There's a joke of like everybody needs 
needs a teenager to show you how to use your smartphone. Um, <laughs> right. You know, but it's true, right? These and, and these kids can be an amazing motivator to their aunt, grandmother, teacher, you know, anyone who they know, and sort of hold them accountable. So that we've had tremendous completion rates of the education course, I think, because of them. But one thing that that community then said to us when we said, okay, you know, this is great. You're activated now. You're engaged around diabetes in a way that maybe you weren't before you participated in this program. What else can we do for you? And they said, well, access is still a problem, right? Getting to the clinics that are in this community is difficult for me because of the job I work, because of transportation issues. And we said, well, where can you go? And they said, our local pharmacy. And, you know, I'm there three times a week anyway sections of this uh, community have food deserts, and so they're doing some of their grocery shopping at their retail pharmacy. So the program that we have built there is really using the expanded remedy platform to not only offer the education, but also sort of the whole continuum of care through screening, you know, so checking people. A1C and lipids and blood pressure, making sure they're receiving care according to guidelines. So are they on a statin for lipid lowering? Are they on the right kind of blood pressure agent? Triaging them to that level of care so the pharmacist can identify where patients maybe don't have a provider and help get them to a, a healthcare provider who might need to make those kind of changes, but they can also be that resource who's there between appointments to sort of hold their hand and encourage them, help them understand why it matters that they take that blood pressure pill or that they take their diabetes meds or that they even test their blood glucose on a daily basis. And so we connect the blood glucose readings from the home into the pharmacist and, you know, can proactively reach out to patients and get them back in the pharmacy to have a conversation and answer questions and then, you know, get them to a higher level of care if needed. Wow. Well, I, I love the fact that you explained that, that whole dynamic of, of folks in their food desert, for example, going to the pharmacy for food, not necessarily just medicine. Uh, can we take a second and have you expand, either of you, on this philosophic move, paradigm shift in our country where the pharmacies and the pharmacists assists are becoming a greater part of the healthcare continuum. And tell me about the response of CVS in particular that are, some of our listeners may not have relationships with either large chain or community pharmacists. Tell us about how you developed that, the receptivity, and, and how you know it kind of came about. So, you know, it's been quite a number of years since the Asheville Project, if listeners are familiar with that, and then the 10 Cities Project where there were some really great outcomes demonstrated of using pharmacists to engage people in their diabetes care. I think that sort of the current move towards value-based care has re-emphasized the need for everybody in the healthcare value chain to practice at the top of license, right? We're facing physician shortages and other dynamics that have refocused attention on how do we elevate all of our providers, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, you know, MAs, everyone to work at the top of their license. And so pharmacy is a really good example of that, of, you know, pharmacists are trained to do a whole lot more than just count and dispense medications. And often they have one of the most trusted relationships with patients because they see them much more frequently. So with that background, and, and we have done extensive work with clinical pharmacists who work for health systems um, more broadly at Remedy, we were really excited about CVS's willingness to sort of go on this journey with us, you know, as they have sort of moved past the merger with Aetna. I think that has opened a lot of doors to the expanded work you see them doing nationally, right? The creation of the health hubs and being more the front line of primary care in the communities. So this fits into that 
strategy of how they are bringing primary care closer to people in their communities through their retail footprint and then sort of expanding the, the line of services that they're offering either at retail pharmacy or in the minute clinic or in these newer health hub models. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That that merger was a big step forward, I think. Let me just pause for a second and ask if a listener uh, representing a state other than Georgia were to give you a call and say, hey, we would like to not only look at your product and possibly implement your tech tool, that intersection of Netflix and Facebook, if you will, but we also want some consultative services to handhold us and take this model that you've developed and bring it to our community, uh, to our state. Is that something that, that they could do? Yes, they, they definitely could, John. They would just need to uh, identify, I guess you would call it a sponsor organization that has that tied to the community just to present an introduction of Remedy to the community because it's very important that participants in any community, but in particular medically underserved community, have a recognizable entity involved or the people even within the organization have a relationship with that community already. And what we do at Remedy is we come in and we build upon that existing relationship by providing them the tools they need to increase their engagement with their participants even more. Um, In addition to that, we also help because, of course, there has to be funding to make these things happen. And so we meet the organization to discuss the possibilities of different funding opportunities and if we can be of any assistance to help make that a realization for them. So, for example, here in Atlanta, we have Grady Health System, and there the staff has a great rapport with patients. There's that relationship there that we can build upon, and then we assisted Grady with getting the funding to bring the education to their community through an organization in Atlanta called Archie, uh, the Atlanta Regional Collaborative for Health Improvement. So from there, we're able to get the funding. We build upon the relationship that's already existing between the staff and the patients by providing the tools that work best for all involved. Thank you so much, Tara, for, for outlining those steps, because that's exactly what our listeners want to want to know that they they might be able to identify a sponsor, but then they would love that you know uh, guidebook, that playbook to actually know who then to you know uh, how to line up the dots and and who to get involved with. So that's that's incredibly helpful. Apologize yeah. for interrupting you, but we actually have a community health playbook. Uh, so step one would be contact remedy, <laughs> and then we'll share with you the community health playbook, which outlines exactly who you need to identify in your organization to get this done, and the steps that we take too as well to help bring in the funding to make it happen. So wow, thank you for for saying that because that really, that is exactly what I was hoping to hear. Uh, and for anyone listening who has not caught the fact that the name of the company is Remedy, like Remedy to the solution, the, the solution, or the remedy to the problem, it's spelled R I. M-I-D-I. So if you're looking, uh, listening and, and typing at the same time, it's uh, remedy.com, and we'll uh, talk about that again at the end, but I didn't want anyone to be looking up uh, another spelling of this uh, highly innovative company. Let's, let's talk a little bit about weight management and even hypertension and fatty liver disease and some of the other conditions that this platform can serve. Sure. So, you know, all of these conditions sort of go together, right? A lot of people who have diabetes may have a hereditary risk but may also be at elevated risk because of obesity. And the same is across this whole family of cardi- cardiometabolic diseases. So we create 
create different views on our platform to support management of these different chronic diseases. So we do work in diabetes where we started, obesity and really sort of the management of obesity as a chronic disease and best practices. And I'll let Tara in a minute talk about the weight management course we've just launched in the Atlanta community. And then hypertension, heart failure, and fatty liver disease. And from a public health point of view, you know, fatty liver disease is really interesting and very top of mind for organizations because it's another one of these sort of silent epidemics. 25 to 35% of the population globally has fatty liver disease and the risk factors there are diabetes and obesity. And there are interventions, right? And a lot of them are lifestyle. So weight management is a big piece of that. And we tie that together in our weight management course. But there's a big awareness issue around fatty liver disease, both awareness in the general population and also awareness in the healthcare provider population. So We've actually been doing a lot of advocacy work around fatty liver disease to help drive that awareness and, again, connect people to the appropriate level of care. But let me let Tara talk about the sort of really good reception that the weight management program has had. Yeah, something that we've realized, John, from being in these communities is that a lot of times the issue is people are, they just are not aware. They just do not know what certain terms mean and how they apply to them. Uh, I've encountered several people in the community who have been, let's say, diagnosed with diabetes, but then it's now what? These are people that may not visit their physician as frequently as they should, and so they need the tools to help educate themselves on what exactly this means for my life and what changes this means I need to make in my life. And so that's exactly what the weight management education is. It is a way to educate people prior to experiencing a chronic disease and or educate people who are currently living with a chronic disease about how to make those lifestyle changes. What does this diagnosis mean for you? What does obesity mean for you uh, step by step in your lifestyle and, and what, what things you can do to, in fact, actually have a healthier lifestyle? That's one thing about being in the community and working with organizations like the Diet Diabetes Association of Atlanta, which is actually a partner of the Georgia Department of Public Health, as opposed to working with Grady. So at Grady, we know that these are people and, and participants that actually come in and see a physician and, and have that the knowledge of the physician being shared with them from time to time. But when working with an organization like the Diabetes Association of Atlanta, some people may not, like I said before, be going to the physician as often as they should, but they still need that knowledge. And as great as Google is, we don't always want them just turning to Google to get the answer. So we create courses like the weight management course to tell them this is what NASH is, this is what fatty liver disease is, and this is how it can impact your life, and these are the changes you can make right now today to keep prevent you from developing this disease or to help you to manage this disease. Thank you so much for saying that. I mean, awareness is absolutely the place to start, and Google is, is really uh, – often uh, the not the place to start is it can lead to a, a lot of confusion. I'm also glad you mentioned the connection to Georgia Department of Health. In fact, it was Dr. Gene O'Connor, NACDD's former president and chronic disease director of the state, the health department that connected us and was the, the tie that, that bound us together. So I want our listeners to know that, that you have good endorsement from, from the state health department. I also want to touch on the curriculum. You know, we've been talking about the, the weight management course. We're talking about diabetes self-management. Can you speak to the curriculum itself and, and its accreditation and its uh, validation and the fact that you're, you're, this isn't something that, that you all just uh, drew up out, out of thin air? Talk to me about the science behind your, your curriculum. So specifically with the diabetes education, we use the curriculum that the American Diabetes Association recommends 
as well as the uh, American Association for Diabetes Educators. So the curriculum that you receive with Remedy is the same curriculum that you would be following along with those programs as well. With our weight management course and even with our diabetes management course, the videos are led by health professionals, so doctors, nurses, and certified educators in the industry providing this information. So they draw from their knowledge and their credentials to provide this information to patients in short video form. Great. In fact, I've seen those videos and they're so engaging and I think that's so important. It's not enough to have a video or some chat boxes. Uh, it has to be cutting edge and, and kind of up to the, the speed of what people are using in social media and what they're experiencing on YouTube and just the quality and, and uh, Remedy really has that quality. Talk to me a little bit about where uh, the company is headed. What are your plans for the future? You can, you can blue sky it, dream big, or, or tell us the, the practical things in the next 12 months. So I think in this uh, work that we're doing in community health, you know, one of, when we started down this pathway and when Tara joined the company to really start our community health division, we sort of made a commitment of we need to be able to do this in our own backyard. And if we can't do it here, we, we shouldn't have aspirations of, you know, conquering the, the world. And I feel like we have done that. We've done a lot of important learning and listening to the community and because, you know, we, we come into this with a humility of we understand technology, consumer engagement, user experience design all of those aspects, we needed to learn from those frontline workers who are working with these medically underserved communities and who have their own challenges in terms of resource constraints and other things. So that has been our goal of the work we've done here in Georgia, and now we're really ready to take that to other communities, and that has all fed into this community health playbook um, that Tara and her team have created. So that is certainly part of our roadmap is taking this program nationally and this model of how technology can help support the delivery of services in a public health context. And then on the Remedy platform side, I've mentioned a family of, you know, cardiometabolic diseases that we work in, and we always continue to expand on that. You know, where's the next need? We have a lot of requests around COPD as a comorbidity experienced by a lot of patients who are on our platform. So we'll always continue to build out there as well as what other services you and Tara were talking about, sort of hand-holding and that's something that's true across all of our engagements, right, is that the healthcare sector, it's pretty difficult to just buy technology the way that a business entity would buy marketing automation technology or something, right? There's a level of consultation, customization, and handholding that needs to go with it. So we think about that in terms of the patient journey and, you know, where are we doing a good job of impacting that journey today and where can we provide additional resources, um, medication adherence, is a place that we're very focused on right now. How do we innovate around that, connect some dots, to make sure that patients receive the medications, can afford the medications that they've been prescribed on this highly, you know, personalized platform. Okay, well, I appreciate that you, you, you have this community health approach, but you also are expanding the platform to, to reach some of the other chronic conditions. Talk to me a little bit about where you're headed with regard to the disease states and, and the, the clinical work. Sure. You know, in addition to building on the different disease states that we support, I mentioned sort of the family of cardiovascular diseases we work on today. And we're always getting requests from clients of what they would like to see next. Uh, COPD is a good example that I think is morbidity for a lot of 
the patients who are on our platform with these cardiometabolic conditions. So we have a roadmap of the other disease states that we plan to add to the platform. But we also think about this in terms of the patient journey and, you know, what support a patient needs from, you know, the beginning of that funnel of awareness in the community around a disease like fatty liver. And then once somebody is, you know, are they getting properly screened and diagnosed and the education and then the management. We continue to map out that patient journey. Adherence, access to medications is a big deal, right? About 30% of people never fill that first script and another 30% are going to fall off in terms of medication adherence. And so um, we spend a lot of time talking about how we can help support patients there through our products, through partnerships, to make sure people can afford their medications, make sure they can get their medications, make sure they adhere to their medications and know how to take them. So that's a big part of our roadmap in 2020. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, for those who have listened to Power Tools in the past, we never recommend a partner that is selling a a software off the shelf or software in a box. It's always about collaboration. And when we talk about adding power to work, it's not just the, the great tools, but it's the people like Lucy and Tara who partner, who want to partner, who got into business to uh, build relationships and, and collaborate with states. Um, your, your software, though, I do want to make mention, it is really robust. Uh, anything else that, uh, which, is, which is often the inoperability, is such a, a challenge. Anything else that we should know about the, the tech? Tara mentioned the patient connectivity, but I'll just highlight that again, that you know, these sort of new models of care delivery, how we get care to people where they live and work in a way that's more accessible, we've got to see much more virtualization of care, right? So being able to stay connected to patients in the home, that's part of what our education does, but we also do that in terms of remote monitoring because we know that people want to, they want to live their life. They don't really want to think about their chronic disease on a daily basis. So, you know, we want to ask as little of them as possible. We don't want to be asking people, you know, all you need to do is use this device and pair it with your iPhone and then it probably won't work the first five times. And, you know, there's, there's so little tolerance for sort of the, the friction in technology. So we try to make that really easy for them. Not, not just them either, John. I think another great appeal of Remedy is that we also make it easy for the providers as well. We know they play a very important role. They will always have an important role in that relationship with the patient. And so we want it to be an ease of use for them as well. You know, if they have recommendations for certain features or if they have recommendations for certain resources they want to see in the education that will make life even easier for them, we we take that into consideration as well. Yeah, it really is a community, and we have to look at the needs. I love the fact that you've been asking not only the patients what they need, but the providers. So I just want to encourage the listeners to remember that as you build relationships with health systems and the physician community, a lot of times we want to bring something to the table, and bringing a remedy to the table is actually a really great idea because it serves the entire spectrum of care. And uh, I just encourage people to call up, uh, reach out, go to their website, learn a little bit more, get educated. Uh, I think it is time uh, to wrap it up. I just want everyone to know that the, the company, again, is Remedy, spelled R-I-M-I-D-I, and it's just Remedy.com. And uh, we've been talking today uh, with Lucy Ide and with Tara Davis, and I just really appreciate both of you being on the phone with us, and we look forward to our next topic on power tools from the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors.